welcome to the New Zealand China Council podcast. I'm Rachel Maidman, the Executive Director of the Council, and for our inaugural podcast, I'm delighted to introduce Council Member and Zespri Chairman Bruce Cameron. Bruce has been on Zespri's board for nearly 10 years and chair since the start of 2019. Zespri is a superstar brand throughout Asia, and China is no exception. It has been one of the company's fastest growing markets and last year replaced Japan as its number one market. This year, Chinese consumers are expected to eat a whopping 30 million trays of kiwi fruit. But Zespri's path hasn't always been smooth, and Bruce has previously shared with me that during his time with Zespri, he has had to contend with many a sleepless night. Now, Bruce, we won't start with your sleepless nights, but perhaps we could kick things off by finding out about how Zespri's China journey started. Thanks, Rachel. Well, I guess it starts like any um, commercial enterprise where, you know, you receive some orders. But before I uh, get into this, I probably should explain uh, to our listeners that back in the day, and I'm talking sort of around the early 2000s, late 1990s, Zespri was quite a different uh, business. Uh, it wasn't as um, mature in terms of its global outlook. It, it was fairly, fairly rudimentary in terms of its global uh, marketing plan. Japan was pre- the predominant market uh, and Europe, uh, and we'd been uh, fiddling around a bit in the States. So anyway, uh, you know, obviously when the opportunity to, to supply China came up, um, we, we felt we were well-placed to take advantage of that time. But for the sake of the listeners, I'd like to sort of, um, uh, for them to keep this perspective, that pre-2010, we talk about the old Zespri, and then post-2010, we, we tend to talk about the new Zespri. So, you know, the old Zespri, um, as I say, uh, took some initial orders, and we had uh, two gentlemen um, at the time, one um, was the president of sales and marketing in uh, Asia, and the other was uh, held that title for Europe. Uh, we used to refer to these two guys as, as the two gorillas. Um, they had um, an enormous amount of uh, power. Um, they uh, were certainly responsible for growing the markets and were very good at it. Uh, their connection with the uh, the New Zealand team, both management and board, um, probably wasn't as well connected as it as it could have been. So um, you know, the, when the first orders started flowing, you know there was some sort of real uh, enthusiasm to get in behind uh, Asia and and kick this uh, opportunity in China off. Uh, so at, at that point, uh, that's how it sort of really started. Back in the day, uh, you know, that was only 2%. China only represented uh, 2% of our, of our global sales. Uh, Ten years ago, um, you know, it was about um, 10%. And, of course, now, uh, you know, it's 20, 20%. So significant growth uh, going forward for the new Zespri. And we anticipate it will be our first billion-dollar market. Wow, that's fascinating. So obviously very quick growth, and you talk about having sort of an old Zespri and a new Zespri. So I think Zespri's had some very well-publicised missteps, and, you know, what do you think was probably your biggest misstep, and was that to do with having this sort of two, these two Yeah, so I I alluded to um, perhaps... um, the disconnection between, um, you know, management in Asia and, and the New Zealand side of the business. And um, and I think as the volume started growing, as I've, I've demonstrated with those figures, you know, our processes didn't keep in step with the growth and the volume and the demand. And um, I think there was, to a certain extent, 
some sort of uh, naive assurance that things were being um, processed and systems um, in place uh, onshore in China. And where, where it came unstuck really was, was that there wasn't the visibility given to Zespri um, by the importer at the time uh, on, on some matters. And of course that's when we ran foul of the customs um, in, in China. Uh, and um, our importer over there was charged with um, uh, falsely um, defrauding uh, customs of, of their rightful duty. And, you know, uh, that, that was a very tough time um, that we entered into uh, post-2010 and was repairing that problem and understanding about it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, um, despite what people think, you know, uh, the China justice system... It's uh, very modern in its um, approach to how it deals with investigations. And um, as a consequence of that, um, you know, uh, our importer at the time was uh, fined, the managing director imprisoned. And uh, unfortunately, there was a link between uh, the importer um, and uh, a staff member. And, um, and he, he consequently, uh, because he happened to be inside China at the time, was arrested and, uh, you know, really unfortunately, um, you know, spent time uh, in, in, in a Chinese prison for uh, about four years. So that was a very low point in the company's history in China. But, you know, uh, I guess um, on reflection, you know, we've understood um, exactly what our issues were around that. In other words, um, not discharging your responsibilities to others that might have other uh, inclinations or motivations to make even more money uh, and not necessarily in, a, in an honest way. So, you know, we, we've spent considerable time uh, initially reviewing how we could uh, strengthen our systems in China and uh, that's gone on to the point now where we are the importer of record in China. So we do all that uh, paperwork, the customs clearances and pay the duty uh, and we own that fruit uh, until we pass it on to our, 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 our distributors in China. So, um, you know, unfortunately we had to learn the hard way but we've um, got some really good processes in place uh, and we're protecting our reputation and our brand by doing it this way. That's interesting. I recently read an article by David Martin and he was talking about how New Zealand companies needed to band together like Zespri had done um, to approach markets such as China. How important do you think it is for New Zealand companies to look at doing that? Yeah, uh, look, our, our industry is obviously quite different in the sense that, you know, um, we came out of a, a, cr a financial crisis in 1991 um, and 92 when, um, unfortunately, uh, we had several exporters um, who were all competing against each other in, indeed in, in a far smaller market than obviously the late 1990s, 2000. And, um, you know, the industry got itself into some um, serious financial problems. We, could, we didn't have enough money, there were not enough receipts from our overseas sales to pay uh, to put the, the, the crop on the next year's um, vines. So the government fortunately recognised uh, the potential of the industry that earlier on in its life 
and um, we were given $60 million by the government at the time, and that was given to growers who had to pay it back, um, I think from memory, um, over the following two to three years. So that money was fully repaid to the government. But uh, out of that came um, the Kiwifruit Marketing Board, which was the uh, genesis of Zespri. So that's when we actually had the single desk system uh, implemented was uh, 1992. What that does, it gives you a tremendous amount of power in terms of the collective crop being able to be sold in an orderly way into global markets, uh, whereas before what was happening, the exporters were lining up at Tesco's, you know, Walmart in America or, you know, any of the Asian, uh, and, and as soon as one of our exporters uh, didn't meet the uh, depressed price expected of the supermarket, you know, another New Zealand exporter would turn up and uh, even drive the price lower. So that's why we ended up in so much trouble in 1992. Uh, so what the SPE does for us, it um, gives us uh, the strength to um, supply our global markets in, in, in our collective way and uh, we don't actually um, get into the issue, this issue of weak selling, which um, brings down um, a lot of companies, not just in New Zealand, but around the world. So my advice to um, you know, anyone uh, in New Zealand looking to go global with their, their, uh, either their products or commodities is you know, uh, be sure about um, how you can leverage uh, and get the value you need to be sustainably profitable. And how important has uh, developing a brand been for Zespri, and in particular with regard to China? Uh, we often hear that the intellectual property landscape is fraught. Um, what has Zespri's experience been? Yeah, well, you know, um, the, the Zespri brand is now arguably uh, the most prominent global fruit brand in the world. And, uh, you know, that has been built on... Um, consistent uh, uh, taste experience by our consumers. Uh, it's also associated with um, food safety. And most of all, uh, it's also associated with um, consistent supply. And so we have uh, 12 months supply now, which uh, means that we have production bases in um, Europe and in Asia, which complement the New Zealand supply when that uh, runs out of season. So in China, um, we're able to supply the all year round, but the, the the point for us in terms of the brand in China is, is you know, the ch Chinese consumer is very, very perceptive in terms of their understanding of quality and food safety. And of course, now in this COVID area, um, you know, health is, is another big thing. And we know that uh, kiwi fruit's got um, you know huge amounts of uh, vitamin C. You know two and a half, three times more than an orange. It's full of potassium, uh, and of course its fibre content is very, very good for the digestive system. So you know you just don't create a brand overnight. You know it's something that you build up, and we have now invested um, to date uh, in Zespri uh, well over one billion dollars of um, industry money to build this brand. Uh, so, you know, we're very proud of um, the way that has been done. I think it's a brand that has been built on integrity. And uh, most of all, the biggest thing that I would share with um, listeners is, is that uh, for an agri-business, uh, Zespri is a consumer-led 
um, business. In other words, we ask our growers to supply a kiwi fruit that the consumer wants. Too often in New Zealand agriculture, it's the uh, producers that tell the market what they're going to get. That's, uh, that's not an option at Zespri. So we are continually um, spending um, money on how um, our consumers are reacting. We all know that as we move through the generations, we've got the millennials and then even a younger group coming along now. You know, uh, in 10 years' time, the millennial, millennials will be the ones controlling, um, you know, the capital um, of the world, of the globe. So it's really important that we are aligned with them. And so we spend a, a lot of time, money and resource on ensuring that we're keeping pace with the needs of our consumers. And uh, building from that, I remember when I was in Taiwan and the way Zespri was marketed in Taiwan was completely different to the way it was marketed in Japan. So you obviously take a very market-specific approach. Uh, for the greater China market and for mainland China in particular, what do you see consumers as wanting and how has your marketing approach differed for that particular market? Yeah, so China is the home of kiwi fruit. Um, you know, this is uh, kiwi fruit in China society is very much part of uh, the stable diet and, and uh, it's, it's considered just taking a health pill every day. We, uh, we in Zespri, are operating in, a, uh, in their off season, and so um, given that we're able uh, to supply around 30% of China's needs in terms of consumable kiwi fruit, that's a pretty big part to play uh, in, in that space. It's certainly a growing market, um, and with their um, more um, with their moving economy and growing middle class, you know our our niche is um, certainly performing very well. Um, I'm very, very confident that we've got a, a strong and bright future there um, as long as we uh, understand that uh, what the consumer trends are there. So in terms of challenges, uh, it's been well publicised recently that there have been some illegal gold kiwi fruit plantings uh, in China. What kind of a risk does this present to Zespri? So this is a major issue for Zespri and then and one that we are working hard to get our hands around. Protecting our PVRs and the value that it uh, can create for industry is of a primary concern for the business and we take any breach extremely seriously. The challenge that we have had is a significant number of plantings um, occurred in China four to five years ago and these are coming on stream now. So... Um, it's a bow wave of fruit coming at us. The local government policies towards um, the Chinese farming community are that they are seeking to improve the prosperity of the local farmers, and uh, the sun gold has got the potential to do just that. So we've got um, some serious challenges in terms of the fact that these farmers are seriously motivated um, to take part in what is a quite a profitable uh, industry for them to be in. There's no silver bullet here. Um, we just have to step through it, protect our market channels. Um, and we'll be doing this on multiple fronts um, through legal, uh, political and central and local governments to, to address this. Uh, we will also work um, together with the New Zealand and Chinese governments 
um, to ensure um, some active uh, progress uh, as to how we can uh, collaboratively um, achieve uh, the protection of our IP rights. Interesting. So I think that brings us nicely onto innovation, because obviously for all companies operating in China and elsewhere, but in particular China, it is such a big and fast-moving market. Uh, so how important is innovation for Zespri? Yeah. So you know, you will. Um, our listeners may be aware that this year we launched our own red kiwi fruit, and of course um, the Sun Gold, the G three that we've been predominantly talking about in this interview. You know, it was um, it, it was uh, bred here in New Zealand uh, in, in the Bay of Plenty at Te Puki at Plant and Food Research. You know, after several generations, and uh, it was put onto the um, and, and it was uh, uh, commercialised after the PSA outbreak, um, more through desperation than um, you know planning at the time. But innovation uh, in our in our industry and in our and the company in particular. Uh, is critical. We spend, we're spending about $30 million a year uh, on innovation. Um, a large chunk of that is um, plant breeding, but we also spend uh, a, lot of, uh, of a lot of that research money on uh, improving yields, understanding um, you know, the environment uh, challenges of anywhere from bacteria to uh, insects and, and other pests. So, you know, under, under uh, some um, engagement principles which we will develop with China uh, over the next, um, uh, the short term, uh, the next few years, um, you know, we'll be more than happy uh, to, to co- collaborate with them uh, on, on how we can improve um, their farmers' yields, but at the same time, you know, understand what we can learn off them as well. So it sounds like Zespri has really invested heavily in being a good corporate citizen in China. Uh, and this is something that I saw a lot when I was based in China, that the companies that did seem to do well had recognised that it was a two-way street uh, and you often get better outcomes if you work together. Mm. Yeah, th- th- that's a great question, Rachel. Um, so, you know, uh, my advice to anyone heading uh, up there and looking for a sustainable business is, is that you do have to be embedded in China. It's not good form um, to have a $600 million market like Zespri has at the moment and just take, take, take. So we're, we've established um, you know, some very, very um, strong relationships um, through um, those entities, um, those personalities, those individuals, those groups uh, in our supply chain and in our markets. Um, to ensure that we are, um, you know, contributing and and helping, um, you know, the China infrastructure that supports us grow. So um, what I'm really getting down to is is that it's very very important to make the time um, to understand um, who's who in the zoo up there, and uh, you know it's uh, not uncommon for our board of directors and our management teams, uh, executive in particular, to be um, uh, engaged in uh, relationship building uh, events or um, uh, situations to to, uh, further the uh, Zespri cause. So in China, the government plays a greater role uh, in business than in other markets. 
uh, and the actions of the New Zealand government and the relationship that New Zealand and China have uh, also has an impact, um, both positive and negative, on business. How cognizant is the esprit of this? And how do you factor that into your decision making? Yes, we, we understand that the um, Chinese government uh, plays a significant role in terms of the commercial affairs of its country. But that is the same for New Zealand as well. Um, we believe that the government um, has a significant part to play in terms of how we're allowed to operate in China. So um, we're very, very cognizant and uh, aware of how uh, our government um, plays its uh, part uh, in that area. Uh, generally, um, I feel that we are uh, stepping forward in the right dis- direction. There are many, many issues out there, and so far I think that the relationship between China and New Zealand is in fantastic shape, but that is because of the acute awareness of government, MFAT, and all our partners who help us trade up there. So going forward, Bruce, do you see this as becoming a more difficult and fraught area in terms of tensions between America and China, which seem to be uh, escalating. Is this going to be an increasing issue? And I guess also alongside that, is it going to continue to be feasible? Because often business feels that the relationship is one for the government to manage. Um, but going forward, you know, is this one that you think New Zealand businesses will also need to play a more active role in as well? So my, my view on this, Rachel, is, is that um, New Zealand, I think, has got a particularly unique place um, in, in, in the uh, relationships between the West and Asia. For um, Asia and China in particular, uh, I think having the support of New Zealand is, is important uh, to, to their prestige and reputation. Uh, at the same time, New Zealand um, has to obviously respect that it has many historical partners that it's uh, uh, been engaged with uh, in many different fields um, over, over many decades. However, I'm particularly proud of the way um, uh, successive governments and this government is stepping through um, these issues that these big countries have between themselves. We, I think, are um, rowing our own boat. We um, have our own uh, perspectives. Um, but most of all, when um, an issue comes up, is I think uh, as a country and as a government, it's important to make our point, but at the same time show respect uh, for those um, those alternative views, and I think as long as um, this uh, this policy uh, all this way through is um, prescribed, I think that we will continue as a trading nation to be able to have the flexibility of moving um, in our case our kiwi fruit through the very different markets of these very, very different um, cultures that we deal with. So uh, I think it is uh, a very sensitive area. Judgment um, is, uh, has to be accurate. Uh, so any um, sort of unorganised or ill-managed um, policy or statements um, are obviously going to concern us at Zespri. Uh, but um, 
our experiences is that um, New Zealand is moving through these areas um, in a, a, a very managed um, and considered way. So in terms of another issue that has come up a lot recently, and you mentioned it earlier about New Zealand's exposure to China. Uh, so currently 23% of New Zealand's exports are sent to China. Um, that compares to about 38% for Australia. Uh, do you think that there is a risk that New Zealand uh, does have all of its eggs in one basket or is overexposed to China? And how does Zespri look to address these types of issues? So we, we follow our market share in terms of how our, our um, kiwi fruit is distributed around the world. We're very cognizant of every market and its share um, of what it takes in terms of um, our annual volumes. And, um, you know, currently uh, the board has just approved um, uh, a number, a percentage that um, Zespri will, will sell into China, and that's uh, around about 31% of the national crop. <clears throat> the reality of it is, is um, you know, when you've been in China as long as uh, Zespri has now, and with the experiences that we've gained, the relationships that we've developed, the fact that we've gone from um, 10 employees in 2011 to now over 80 and our significant um, resources that we have up there and our contacts, I'm very comfortable um, with our exposure in terms of our volumes into China. There have been other uh, markets which are smaller and are far more challenging in terms of the fact that the relationships there are a lot newer and haven't been tested. Um, so um, we know that we're only one phone call away from another issue, but that doesn't deter us from the fact that um, we're up for dealing with those issues, we'll step through the issues, but we believe in what we're doing there. So I'm not particularly concerned uh, at all about the fact that at 31% we're overexposed. Uh, for me, there's opportunity we have the opportunity to move volume and we have the opportunity to bring back value um, to New Zealand. Uh, I'm confident we're on the right track. Great. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. Now, I would just finish up by saying that um, when we discussed you coming in to do this podcast, uh, you mentioned that if you could provide one piece of advice that would help a Kiwi exporter, it would be worth it. Um, so before we finish up, have you got any particular pearls of wisdom for you know SMEs that are not as well resourced as Esprit? Uh, entering the China market? So, uh, first of all, um, New Zealand has a tremendous um, team in um, China with um, NZTE. You know, uh, they are a tremendous organisation, outstanding in terms of the way they support and the information and the connections they can provide you. That has to be your first um, port of call. And in, in terms of... Um, uh, expensing uh, the investment that you are going to put together to, to operate in China, ensure that you um, have enough in the kitty uh, so that you uh, can become embedded up there in every sense. So, you know, just don't see the container leave your yard and think, oh, that's great, it's gone. Um, if you want to, to be a sustainable business in, in China, you have to factor in um, relationship building. You have to understand the supply chain up there. You have to get around 
in the markets. You have to meet the people, you know, knock on customs door, understand. And of course, um, you will also need, because of the language barrier, some support there. Um, but all in all, it, uh, it's daunting, it's challenging, um, but the rewards uh, and the satisfaction, of course, um, far outweigh all, of the, all the other issues. That was Bruce Cameron, Zespri's Chair, telling us about Zespri's fascinating China journey. For the show notes to this episode and more information uh, and more podcasts, please see our website, nzchinacouncil.org.nz. Thanks for listening.